0: Hi folks, welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I sure do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand. And in this podcast series, I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. Today I'm telling the story of Simon, a guy I've actually spoken to a number of times but everything I thought and assumed about him turned out not to be 100% correct. With a finance-related master's degree, I thought he would have graphs for Africa. But no, although he knows where he is at financially, much more importantly he knows what kind of life he wants to live today and into the future. But before I crack into it, I have a quick message from today's sponsor. If you have KiwiSaver, then listen up. If you don't have KiwiSaver, then really listen up. If life goes to plan, you can kick back and retire at 65. But you want to know that you have a bit of money set aside for when you get there, right? Well, that takes planning and you need to start right now. No more excuses. Superlife KiwiSaver Scheme is a low fee provider that offers a broad range of investment options. You have the flexibility to create your own fund and you can change your investment strategy at any time absolutely free of charge. Or you can select a fund that is right for you, contribute to it regularly, check on it from time to time using their awesome mobile app and just get on with living your life. I want you to get to 65 and the biggest gift is one you actually have given yourself, freedom from worrying about money in your retirement. Superlife KiwiSaver is managed by SmartShares and you can visit them at superlife.co.nz to download the product disclosure statement and sign up and transfer your KiwiSaver in mere minutes. First things first, Simon is not his real name, he wanted to keep himself on the down low which is absolutely fine by me and although happy to talk about his wife, she didn't really want a mention at all and this I understand. I chose this name because every Simon I've ever met has actually been a really nice bloke and this guy is no exception. And with my guest today, I thought I'd try a new interview technique and instead of asking pointed questions, I thought I would open up with a big general sweeping one and it was, take me on a journey from birth to now and tell me where you started and how you got to this point. Well he was done in about 30 seconds so that was an epic fail on my part because it turns out that interviewing people in New Zealand is completely unlike all the podcasts I listen to from the States where the interviewer merely has to say just tell me about yourself and they can't shut their guest up for the next hour. But this is what I did manage to learn from Simon. He is 37 married with two young children Actually born in Australia to an Aussie dad and a Kiwi mum yet raised in New Zealand and he now considers himself a Kiwi and we know this because he supports the All Blacks 100%. He grew up in a family with two young brothers, a father who found work difficult due to a long-term illness and a mum who works as a school cleaner. Now his upbringing he told me was modest, there was not a lot of money to throw around and he went on to study business at Otago University finishing up with his masters and a student loan. Now most importantly he met his wife while he was there and she eventually finished with a doctorate after eight years of study both here and in Australia and he works in finance and she in a medical field, the end. So I had to retreat to my normal list of questions in the hope I could find out a little more from this reserved guy and I asked him what lessons did these parents of his teach him about money growing up. And straight away he broke my first assumption of him, that he ran 10 different spreadsheets simultaneously tracking every financial movement. Now due to his upbringing, he has rebelled from the idea of even having a budget where he monitors his incomings and outgoings in detail. Raised in a low-income household where he referred to his mum as stoic, the word budget has negative connotations to him and he knew from early on that lack of money constraints your life. A simple example he used was how when he was young it was rare to visit a town only a half hour away because that would require having to fill up the car with petrol. So scarcity impacts your upbringing, that's for sure. Now he's doing really well today and he feels privileged to be where he is now but he certainly keeps the saying there but for the grace of God go I in mind when he looks at his past. His parents own their own home. In fact, when they came to live in New Zealand, his mum insisted that if they were going to live here, then they had to buy a house and today they are mortgage free. And Simon always did really well at school, but his parents never had the expectation that he would actually go on to study at university. And it was actually while his mum was cleaning at the school that he went to that the principal took her aside and said that she needed to support Simon as much as she could because he had really good potential. Well, he sure did, and he went on to become ducks at his school, and he said that he had always been pretty good at maths, and if you put a dollar sign in front of a number, he was even more motivated. And his two brothers went on to do well too, one working at a high level in a financial field, and the other as a certified builder. Today, Simon's career is pivoting while his wife's career is on the up and up. He and his wife lived in Australia for 10 years while she worked and completed her doctorate, and Simon also worked in a full time corporate role. But since returning to New Zealand, she is the primary income earner, where her very high salary actually means that they can survive quite nicely on her part time income and spend a lot of precious time with their two tamariki. Although Simon could easily slot back into full time paid work here, they have made the choice not to. Now full-time work would bring stress and strain upon their family and neither of them wanted that. So we timed our chat to be after he had dropped the kids off to school in kindy in the morning and when he is not talking to the likes of me, he is putting in the part-time hours to get his new business idea off the ground. Now I'm fully aware that at the age of 37, this is a pretty unique position to be in both working part-time so that they can be really involved in their family life. And this is just a really good example of how having a good income can give a family choices. And just to be clear, Simon feels extremely fortunate and privileged to have these choices. Now his current role, which is working for himself, is part of his big plan and that is to build up his own business to generate a steady and comfortable income stream that gives him flexibility with his time. He does not want to look back when he's older and think, oh, I wish I tried X, Y or Z. He's trying those things now. And throughout his professional career, he's seen the impact of people having only one stream of income. If they are let go from that workplace, then they suddenly have a very restricted range of choice to go forward with. So for him, it's really important to have a wide range of options. And by that, he does not just mean financial ones. He's working on creating several income streams and several projects that motivate him to give him several options, and although for privacy reasons I can't go into much detail, I can tell you that this appears to be working out well for him. Simon told me that he studied law, commerce, economics and finance, so based on this I asked him what are their three main financial habits, things that they just automatically do as a couple. Now their finances are joint and always have been and his wife is also the key person that he can talk openly about money with and because he feels really confident in how they are handling money he does not feel a major need to talk to others about money so he has no burning questions waiting to be answered. His wife takes care of the day-to-day cash flow and Simon tries to automate transactions as much as possible even he said when it's just not rational. Now remember he's a numbers guy. His wife puts 8% of her salary into KiwiSaver, but he views this as completely irrational as there are no technical benefits to doing so. But you never miss the money that you never see, and clearly this is working out for her. And due to her really good income, this fund is growing really nicely. He has automatic payments to Superlife and InvestNow every fortnight and he will just continue to increase these investments year on year and the reason he uses both providers when one would do is because he wanted to try both just to see the difference. Now to my great relief he told me that he does have a spreadsheet and it's something he is actually quite proud of and he's been adding to it since 2008 and in it he tracks their assets, their liabilities and their net worth and when it began back in 08, just prior to getting married he had a net worth which is well into the negative and today he is working in six figures which is great but like many who track this sort of thing there is a constant conversation going on as to what constitutes an asset. Now, everyone I speak with who keeps a net worth spreadsheet has a tab for each different situation, and they all seem to enjoy playing around with different scenarios. Asking them questions like investments in super life and invest now are they an asset? Well, yep, without a doubt. Is a house an asset? Well, not really. It generates no income. What about all the stuff you fill your house up with? Well, that's good for your lifestyle, but you are not getting to sell it anytime soon. So no, that's not really an asset. And he's actually quite chilled, actually extremely chilled out um, about where the money sits. And in terms of returns, he does not watch it closely. Now, once again, because he is a numbers guy, I assumed he would watch the market on a day to day basis. But he said that these fluctuations are irrelevant to any long term saving and investing goals that they have, not to mention bad for your mental health. He mentioned the point here that you weigh your losses more than your gains and daily checking is just going to lead to stress and possibly bad decisions such as selling and locking in your losses. So it turns out that in these spreadsheets, he has no idea how much they spent on groceries in January and how their power bill in June this year compares with June last year. That would involve a budget and he has no desire to go into that kind of detail. So he does not track this stuff, but they just instinctively know how much is in their account to cover these expenses. And for Simon, that is quite enough so do they have an emergency fund of cash that they can call on in short notice? I wondered. Well, yes and no was the answer. He feels he has enough in cash flow to cover an emergency and he, like many with an offset mortgage, consider the offset money to be there in case of emergency too. Plus, he said he is appropriately insured and this is a really important point to him. You need to be sure that you have insurance in place as part of a really good financial plan. I went on to ask Simon what his greatest financial triumph is to date and he said, very tongue in cheek, marrying well. He very quickly pointed out that finding a partner for life is not a financial decision but finding the wrong partner can have a massive financial impact. And is there a financial flop he is willing to own up to, I asked. For him it was that he probably took too long to get started in his career and he said that one book he wished he had never read was Rich Dad Poor Dad because it had a lingering influence and in it the author talked so much about how sales were important so straight out of university Simon worked in retail sales roles where he should have just jumped straight into the career that he finds himself in now. But he said he had no good counsel growing up, no role model and exposure to professionals. So using the information he came across, he made his decisions the best way he knew how. And having been in sales himself, does he like to shop? And if so, what is the most extravagant thing he's purchased for himself in the last 90 days? Well he said he tends to look at his own income that his business is generating and he limits his buying based on that and his purchase fell outside of this 90 days but it was actually a new Apple Watch that he bought for himself back in February. So he obviously likes technology a little bit too. Now one of his favourite things he likes to do he said and something that he said he probably does too much of is to go out to great restaurants so you could count that as an extravagance too I guess. So what about debt in this household with high incomes coming in? I suspected there might be none, but we've already heard that there is a mortgage involved. His wife managed to come through university in New Zealand with no student debt. And this was in part due to having really great support and assistance from her own family who were in a position to help her out. And in doing so, they gave her an excellent start. Now, when the couple moved to Australia for 10 years, she spent three of these years completing her doctorate. And because she was not a citizen, um, Simon and her had to self-fund the study to the tune of $80,000. So she ended her studies debt-free, which is just an awesome achievement. Now, they do have a mortgage and they used New Zealand home loans to set it up. But he said that apart from getting them set up with the majority of their lending on a fixed term and about $80,000 on a variable rate in an offset account, he said they have not brought much additional value to the table. And furthermore, he said that he was unhappy with the insurance advice that they were given and he feels really uncomfortable that mortgage brokers get into the insurance game in a hunt for commissions. So Simon has taken care of arranging his own insurance cover. Now property is not really their thing so they do have a family home that they are currently paying off and they have about 15 years remaining on their mortgage. However he said that by investing in his own business he has slowed down their mortgage timeline so this term may extend out. He said their home is big and he feels that they are overcapitalised but for them the size actually is important because they have extended family that they spend a lot of time with. It's a true family home in that sense where Simon, his wife and their two young children and extended family all rub along together well and he sees them living in this home for at least 30 years. Now also Simon still carries student loan debt to the tune of forty dollars to $50,000 and on his spreadsheet where he tracks his net worth he does not factor in his outstanding student loan as a liability. Of course I had to ask the question why and he told me that because apart from the period where they lived in Australia his loan is now interest-free and his point of view is that he thinks it is a terrible policy for student loans to be interest-free and to him he thinks it's like the government telling him not to pay it off and over time inflation will pay it down for him. Plus he said that it extinguishes upon his death. These are cherry thoughts. So why, he asked, make himself worse off when he could put that money into assets that earn money instead. I had to politely agree to disagree on this matter. Now what about saving and investing? We've already touched on it a little bit and I wondered is this a focus seeing as they have debt to pay down as well and I asked him to pick one, index funds or individual shares. Well, he has never invested in individual shares, nor has he been tempted. And the reason is because one of the very first books, it might have been the very first book actually about investing that he read, it was called A Random Walk Down Wall Street, a time-tested strategy for successful investing by Burton G. Malkiel. Now I'll link to that in my show notes. Now ever since he read it, he has been sold on index investing and he feels fortunate to have found this path early on in his life. So what is Simon investing in? It's all about index-based, low-fee growth funds, and in Australia, they are still in a growth fund with their superannuation, and in New Zealand, their retirement funds are with simplicity growth, although he is currently considering a switch to Superlife 100. He thinks simplicity are terrific, but their more recent moves into other areas such as bond funds, ethical investing, and social stuff, it has him wondering if they are starting to complicate a very simple strategy. As more people join Simplicity he is also looking for them to start to lower the fees that they charge even more but time's going to tell on that one. Now for investing he is with Superlife 80 which he said basically represents an 80% split amongst growth assets with 20% of the fund being more defensive like in bonds and things like that and he is also with InvestNow in their Vanguard Total World Fund and with those funds like I mentioned earlier he's actively putting money into them every fortnight without fail. I asked him how this was all performing to which he answered I have no idea it's widely diversified with low fees and that's all that is important and this backs up his investing philosophy of steady investing into these funds over a very long period of time and not staring too closely at it. Now in a broader context he said that the major investment that they have made over the last 12 months has not been in financial assets it's been investing in his own business. If not for this business, he would instead have generated another 50 to 60000 in additional income by working in a professional role. But because they are living a life with flexibility built into it, he can pursue this opportunity at the moment. And I asked Simon if I gave him $10,000 right now, what would he do with it? Well, he'd be very good. He'd put it into his offset account and would maybe consider putting some of it into InvestNow and in Superlife. He said he would be super boring and he would not spend any of it. And what about saving for their kids? They have two young children, but as yet they have chosen not to save specifically for them, but are instead diverting those funds into their own mortgage. The expectation is that they'll pay for their kids' tertiary education and their house is in a good school zone, so they won't be paying for any secondary school education. And Simon's view is that the better off they can be, then the better able they will be to support their children. And he said that creating an inheritance is not just about any money they give them. It's also about the experiences and the knowledge they pass on. And as a family, they do spend a lot of great times together. A lot of the discussion we actually had during our chat was not about money. It was on how he wants to live his life. And one statement that struck a chord was, make your investing boring so the rest of your life can be interesting. And I quite like that. Now, I like asking this question, and it's if he could retain all of the knowledge that he has today regarding money, but he could go back to his 15-year-old self and start again, what would he do, whether it be the same or something quite different? Part of it would be the professional side, taking too long to get started in his career and also working out ways to narrow down where you want to go and directly approach people so you can be more proactive and set your own career path sooner. And asking for the right salary is also very important. But part of it, as I mentioned earlier, would probably be stressing the value of money as a means to an end and being mindful about how you spend it. He said that the thing that appeals about the frugality philosophy is it's not just about spending money, it is also about spending time and attention on the things that you really care about. So although they have a good income coming in, they've got their debt under control and investing underway, they are frugal with their expenditure and they use their money carefully to create great experiences with their family. Now I'm nearing the end now but before I wrap up I have another quick message from today's sponsor and they help me bring you this podcast for nothing which is the exact amount of interest Simon is paying on a student loan. A huge thank you to Superlife KiwiSaver Scheme for helping me bring this episode to you today. Superlife is a low fee provider that offers you a broad range of investment options to choose from within its Superlife schemes. To transfer your KiwiSaver in mere minutes visit superlife.co.nz where you can also download the product disclosure statement. As we spoke, there are a couple of key comments that Simon wanted to make. He is aware that he is in an unusual situation where his wife brings in a high income, he is developing a business from nothing, and they both work part-time. They are both professionals who studied hard to find themselves in the position they are in today, and if they wanted to, they could earn a lot more than most. He feels privileged that he has a buffer and can take calculated risks and he is very aware of how scarcity impacts other people. I'm fortunate that he offered to share his behind-the-scenes financial life because this is not something he would normally ever share with others. And although I expected him to be fully focused on the numbers, he certainly is not and instead they have systems in place that are now on autopilot. And like he said, it's just a bit boring. They pay down their debt, they invest and they have a cash buffer for day-to-day living and this is what allows them to focus on being present for their kids, their extended family, their friends and just random people like me who phone up with a ton of questions. He said that they don't feel rich and they feel like they should be further ahead financially but their priority is to work less, to be secure and to live a low stress relaxed life. Instead of chasing big money and big lifestyle like many friends and acquaintances of theirs do, they instead choose to live more in line with their values and their priorities. Now these change over time but for now it works really well and his elevator pitch or a sentence that would sum up his approach to money would be to tell you and to tell me that money is a means to an end and it is just a tool to use to help you live a life in line with your values and priorities. And to him money is just a small part in the much bigger equation of life. So I just wanted to say a huge thanks to Simon for sharing his whānau's journey with me today and I hope that there were a few key takeaways from this that you can mull over and perhaps apply to your own life. That's all from me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could give me a five-star review in iTunes and share it with your friends. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would also love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. So Until next time, happy saving.